0: We'll now have our Bible readings.
1: (laughs) The first reading can be found on page 705 of the Bibles in the Pews, and is from Isaiah chapter 49, beginning at the first verse. Listen to me, O coastlands, Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him? For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes and they shall prostrate themselves, Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you.
0: Uh, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to see you this morning. Help us to hear from you. Give us open hearts and minds to receive you. Amen. Well, this week's sermon is a little bit unusual. Um, In fact, we haven't had our second reading yet. I'm going to ask Richard back in a moment to share the second reading with us. Um, It's a little bit unusual in a number of ways. It's um, a bit of an unusual Sunday, really, isn't it? It's the last opportunity I have to lead and preach here as your curate. So it's the end of something. It's the end of an adventure which we've all shared in over the last two and a half years or so as we've journeyed together. And it's gone quickly. Well, it's gone quickly for me anyway. They say that time flies when you're having fun. And uh, I have had fun most of the time. There's been a lot of learning and a lot of laughter and a lot of love. And there still is because I realise now just how much more I still have to learn. But it's only been just over two and a half years. That's not very long at all. Thinking about how it's not very long at all and reflecting on how this part of my journey is coming to an end has really hit me this week as I've looked at the Gospel passage, which we're going to hear in just a moment. It's about the disciples. And you know the disciples only had just a little bit longer with Jesus than I've been here with you. About three years in total. That's not very long in terms of discipleship. When Jesus left the disciples, they still had an awful lot to learn. And so have I, not only about ministry and running a church, but also learning as a disciple, learning about God and my relationship with him. So in just a moment we're going to hear our New Testament reading and it's going to take us back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his disciples. And then after we've heard that reading, I want to share with you a reflection that I wrote when I was away on retreat back in summer 2015 before I even thought I might be coming to St. Juans. I wrote it as an imaginary exercise and I tried to put myself into the story and experience the story that we're about to hear, as if I were Andrew, the disciple. So as you listen to what Richard's going to say, and and then to my response to it, why don't you try and put yourself into that story too, and see how God speaks to you through it. And then afterwards, I'm going to share with you some of the thoughts that have stayed with me from that story. So could we have our New Testament reading, please?
1: So, this reading is from the uh, first chapter of John's Gospel, can be found on page 99 of the Pew Bibles, beginning at verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord.
0: I wasn't there the first day that John saw Jesus, but I heard about it that evening. John could talk of nothing else. He was convinced that Jesus was the one he'd been telling us about, the reason that he had been sent to baptise people. He described to us how he'd seen God's Spirit come down on Jesus from above. Like a dove, he said, light streaming down from heaven to earth and remaining with him. He told us how he just knew that this Jesus was God's vessel of love and light and power and the one who would baptise with the Holy Spirit. John is a passionate man. We all know that. That's why we follow him. His passion for speaking God's truth is what drew us to him in the first place. But he was different when he talked about Jesus. Not shouting or waving. He spoke in a kind of a whisper, as though he couldn't quite believe it had happened. He had finally seen the one he'd been talking about it really was all real and it really was happening right now the kingdom of God at hand I wished I'd been there when it happened not because I didn't believe John I had to believe him he was so changed by what had happened but because I wanted to see this son of God for myself this man who carried the Holy Spirit to earth this man on whom rested so much hope and expectation. So the next day, John took two of us back there again to the same spot where he'd seen Jesus the day before and we just hung around waiting and Jesus came again. He looked fairly ordinary to me. I couldn't see anything special about him from a distance but there must have been something about him because I found myself drawn to him and following him I wasn't chasing him, but I was wanting to get closer, wanting to be noticed, wondering whether to call out or to dare to start a conversation. Before I could make up my mind about speaking, he turned and looked right at me, right through me in fact, and then he smiled. I think he had the easiest smile and the kindest eyes I've ever seen. Faithful eyes and a face to be trusted. And as he smiled, he spoke and my heart felt warmed. What do you want? He said. I wanted to say, I want you. I want to know you. I want to be with you always. I want to learn from you. I want you to like me. I want you to want me to be with you. I want to share you. I want to understand you. I want you to like me. I want your love. Of course, I didn't say any of those things. It would have sounded ridiculous. This man was a stranger. Instead, I said, where are you staying? And I stood there as he came right up to me and gripped me by the shoulder, tightly, I felt safe. Somehow he seemed to have heard all those things that I hadn't said. And he didn't seem surprised at all. Come and see, he said. And so I followed him until we came to the house where he was living. There were one or two other people there too, men and women, all trying to get as close to Jesus as they could. I spent... All the rest of the day there with them. We didn't speak much. We just listened as Jesus talked. What did he talk about? I'm not really sure, to be honest. I know he talked about his father a lot and I knew somehow that he meant God. And he said that God was our father too. And he talked about love, about just how much his father loves each one of us and knows us and wants us to live in harmony with him. I didn't take too much of it in, to be honest. I was just happy to be there and included. And I could tell that he was happy to have us there with him too. He kept on looking at different ones of us, always smiling with his kind eyes and often reaching out to touch us. He talked about how each one of us had been drawn to his father to be his friends I stayed and stayed and stayed and I only left because it was time to sleep but I'm too excited to go to sleep I feel as though this is the beginning of something new something wonderful I feel as though I'm bursting with love and hope it was only this morning that Jesus invited me to come and see I thought he meant see where he was staying. But I think maybe he meant more than that. I think he was talking about seeing who he is. About seeing who the father is. I don't see all of it yet. There's so much I don't understand. But I see better than I did this morning. And I'm going back so I can learn to see better When I wrote that back in 2015, imagining myself as Andrew helped me to think about being a follower of Jesus, which is what we're thinking about this morning. And it gave me a little bit of an insight into what it means to be a disciple. I don't know what you heard as you heard the gospel and the reflection, but I want to share with you just three things that have been meaningful to me from that passage. The first thing, is about the magnetism of Jesus. As I wrote it, I was really struck by the passion Jesus invokes in us. And for most of us, that passion for Jesus, that sense of being drawn towards him, begins when we first discover that God isn't a distant, up-in-the-sky God, but is a loving Father who wants to have a relationship with us. Can you remember? when that first happened for you. I find it quite hard to identify exactly when it happened for me. But as a very young child in Sunday school, I can remember recognising that the way the Sunday school teachers talked about Jesus was quite different to the way my parents talked about him. For my Sunday school teachers, Jesus was a living person. He was their friend. For my parents at that stage... I think he was still just a man in a book. Even as a child, I was beginning to be drawn towards Jesus, just as Andrew was when he found himself following him. The magnetism of Jesus is what draws us to him initially, but magnets don't stop carrying things along with them. They carry on the pull. That's certainly been my experience as I've continued to follow Jesus and most especially over the last 15 years or so I've been very aware of being drawn or pulled by Jesus into church leadership and eventually into ordained ministry and I had that same feeling of being pulled along again last year as I prayed about where my future may lay and during the interview process particularly for the role which I'm going to go and take up. Jesus' magnetism is what draws us to Jesus and what keeps on pulling us along behind him as we respond. So I wonder this morning, whereabouts is Jesus drawing you to himself? And how are you responding to that invitation to come and see The second thing that I discovered as I wrote my reflection is just how exciting and exhilarating following Jesus is. Andrew I think is definitely excited in this passage otherwise he wouldn't have followed Jesus home he wouldn't have stayed so long with him and he certainly wouldn't have gone to find his brother at the end or gone back the day after. Jesus was an exciting person to be with. He was unpredictable. He did rash things. He performed miracles and he said things that challenged people. We all think of Jesus being gentle and kind and so he was. But he was disruptive and disturbing too. And that made him exciting to be with. Andrew left the family fishing business behind to follow Jesus. His life was disrupted As he learned to become a fisher of men. When I was a young child in Sunday school, I prayed a prayer of commitment to Jesus as I was drawn to him. But it was as a much older teenager that I discovered more about this exciting Jesus who wanted to come on an adventure with me. There was a song that we used to sing in our church youth group with the words I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I am alive. I want to give my life for something that will last forever. And I sang it, and I meant it genuinely, but I didn't have a clue about quite where it would end up. Following Jesus has disrupted my life and our family life far more than I would ever have expected. It's exciting, and it's exhilarating, And it's risky too, and I shared a few weeks ago at the other services a few of my anxieties about the changes that lie ahead for us as a family. But being disciples is supposed to involve risk. We undertake those risks because we know that Jesus is with us in them. This last week Ian and I have reflected together on my time here at St. Juan's, and I think we both know that when we talked about me coming here, it was going to be a bit of a risk. We didn't know how it would work quite. We didn't know if it would work. But as we prayed and as you as church prayed, it felt as though it was a risk that we could all take together with God. And God, I think, has been faithful to our risk-taking in blessing us all over the last few years. So I wonder... How is God disrupting your life as a disciple? Because I think he should be. Being a Christian isn't meant to be cozy and comfortable. It's meant to challenge us and sometimes it's meant to be inconvenient. It's not an easy life. And if it is an easy life then I have to say I think you're missing something out. Following Jesus has always been costly commitment and a sacrificial way to live. Finding time to read the Bible, finding time to pray, to go to meetings, to serve, to give. Finding the energy to love others generously. Finding the courage to share our faith. These aren't easy things. After the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, Andrew went on to travel in Europe and spread the good news of Jesus. He was persecuted And like most of the other disciples, he was martyred. Following Jesus cost him his life. I wonder this morning what your discipleship is costing you. How is it challenging you to take risks? Whatever age or stage we are at, if we are being faithful disciples, we are still supposed to be taking risks and allowing Jesus to disrupt us and disturb us. The final thing that I want to share from that reflection is about desiring more of Jesus, about wanting to see him more clearly, about wanting a deeper understanding of who he is. We don't actually hear very much about Andrew as we read the Gospels, but he was clearly one of the inner circle for Jesus. As well as being the first disciple, he was one of the closest friends. One of the ones who always wanted to hear and see and understand more from Jesus. And it seems to me that desiring more of Jesus is the hallmark of a true disciple. However long we've been following him for, the invitation is always, come and see. There's always more to learn and experience. And it takes real love and desire and real humility to accept that we have to carry on learning. I sometimes think of myself as being a fairly mature Christian. I know that I'm loved and accepted by Jesus. I say that my security is in God, in whom I trust. But moving on is hard. Seeing your life in cardboard boxes as you pack up to move house. Leaving a home that we've loved for many years. Saying goodbye to trusted and caring colleagues and friends. Managing our emotions as a family is hard it's all made me wonder if my security really is in God just as much as I say of course there are exciting times ahead and of course we are certain that God is calling us on but it's hard and I'm having to learn to trust God's faithfulness in a very real way every day and so I'm still praying for more of Jesus in my life Like Andrew, I have the desire to see more clearly and understand more deeply. So I wonder where that sits with you this morning. How is your desire for Jesus? Do you still yearn to experience more of him? And if so, what are you going to do about it? What's your plan for the next stage of your adventure with Jesus? A little while ago, Ian shared with us a Jewish definition of a disciple being in the dust of the rabbi. And it meant the disciple was following the rabbi so closely that he was covered by the dust that came up from the teacher's feet. That's the kind of disciple I think Andrew probably was. Andrew went on to take the good news of Jesus into Eastern Europe and to found the church in the East. I'm going East too. Not as far as Andrew, but as I prepare to begin that work, my hope and prayer is that I will become the kind of disciple that Andrew was, one that follows so closely, one who is willing to be continually drawn to Jesus, to be disrupted and disturbed by him, to take risks for him, and one whose desire for Jesus continues until the very end of my life. What about you? Come and see, says Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for that invitation to come and see. Give us courage to follow you. Give us a greater desire for you. Help us to see where you are taking us next and fill us with your Holy Spirit to equip and enable us, we pray. Amen.